Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington, and today I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Rob Atkinson. He and I worked on a website together uh, several years ago. I think it was like six years ago or so. And then after we finished our, our work on that website and sold it, Rob moved on to another project, and he's basically been working on it for about five plus years, but he recently uh, exited that, and we're going to talk about the lessons learned. It was uh, an up and down journey. There were, yeah, there were some some big, exciting times. I remember, you know, catching up with you a few years ago, and it was like, man, it's crazy, like what we've learned over the few years. And then we were able to meet in person in Austin last September, and you were kind of working on selling the site, and you have a, a partner, and we're going to dig into all the details, and you kind of told me about the plan, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Keep me posted. So now we're going to dig into the details. So Rob, uh, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for carving out the time in your day here. So what's going on with you? I know you travel around a little bit, and um, your home base uh, was in Austin for a little while. I don't know if it is now, but yeah, what's what's been going on? Yeah, so it's. I'm looking at the calendar. It's May 28th. We're recording this. Um, the site sale got done uh, very end of March. So I'm going on about two months post this like different lifestyle. We'll talk about all the different things I learned. Um, and one of the things I'm just doing is just sort of immersing myself into to different ideas. I'm not. I haven't committed to any new business plan or anything like that. Um, just kind of exploring, kind of taking my time. Um, it was a, it was a grind for a few years. So we're still in Austin right now, uh, but we're looking to relocate to Mexico, uh, come probably late 2022. Okay. Very cool. That's exciting. I know um, Austin was a, it's a fun town, but um, I know there's uh, pros and cons. It's gotten a little crowded around there and stuff like yep. that. But anyway, um, we could talk uh, for days on the lifestyle stuff, but I want to dig into the website sale and all that. So a little background. So for, for people that don't know Rob, um, I'll let you intro yourself a little bit so people know your background. But you and I have known each other since like 2014 and we yep. kind of, I guess, got momentum together around the same time and we were in a mastermind together for a few years as well. And that grew into the business partnership for, I don't know, it's maybe like six or nine months. Everything was fine. It was great working with you. And then you started doing more stuff, but let's rewind and you can give, you know, just the brief, um, the brief story on how you got into niche websites and maybe the work you were doing before and just a little mm -hmm. of the transition. I'll link to the other episodes we've done together because we went in depth, but I'll just give you some you know, couple minutes to talk about that. Awesome. So yeah, graduated from uh, college in 2009, went down the accounting uh, path for a few years and just always had sort of the itch on the side to do something I had done. I'd played around with websites when I was in middle school, um, earned, earned a couple penny with display ads, like owned some domain names when I was like 13. So it's kind of like in my blood, but um, from a young age, uh, but then kind of went down the corporate path and knew there was something different. So stumbled across a course doing affiliate stuff, affiliate SEO. And I was like, this is interesting. So kind of banged my head for a couple of years uh, on the, on the sides of my job. Got connected with you and another guy that we're still 
great friends with. And we started a mastermind, kept hammering it. And then in 2014, kind of took the leap of faith. My wife and I moved to Thailand. Um, so from 2014 to 2016, 17, before we, I think that's right when we partnered on a site, I was just doing, cranking out, you know, small to medium affiliate sites. Um, it, it, I, nothing about the niche was a passion. It was just sort of like very mechanical, like what has the most upside. Um, sold two or three of those sites, one of them with you. Um, and then 2017 is where I embarked on this uh, new partnership. This is the one that just sold a couple of months ago. And that was a five-year authority site, kind of all in, didn't really focus on any other websites during that period. Okay. And a quick side note, occasionally um, on my shows, I'll mention a person who, which is you, Rob. So I'll mention a person who thought about like building like a new website each quarter, like get your systems lined up and like use templates and just kind of have this conveyor belt. And you would always have a site growing. You'd always have a site coming out of the sandbox, even when it was like less important in those days. But you were thinking, hey, this is going to be awesome. And that kind of like it, it worked a little bit, but I can hear from your story because you shifted your focus to just one site, like that typically works better. Can you talk a little bit about being um, maybe stressed, overwhelmed by creating so many sites and just have having so many projects going in parallel? So you're talking about the early days when it was like multiple sites versus yeah. the focus on one site? Yep. Yeah. So when I got started, what kind of happened was I would just sort of like plant the seeds for three or four sites. And luckily I sort of avoided the, the, the major burnout because what would happen is one or two would sort of sprout and those would become my, my focus. And I'd sort of just ignore the losers. However, once we get to around 2015, 16, and I had had success with this model, that's what you're talking about where I was like, all right, I'm going to pump out a website per quarter. Like, I have a recipe that works. I think it works. And that ultimately never, that, that model never worked for me. Um, for some reason, once I tried to scale it, I, like you said, I was, I was too spread across the sites. They didn't get enough of that extra love and attention. And I feel like that's really where the drop off in your ability to compete happens. If you're just, if it's going through the motions and it's kind of, um, you know, it's not getting that extra edge. Uh, I just, the, the sites never made it. That model never made it for me. Got it. And that is why I bring it, bring it up all the time. <laughs> Cause I'm like, even you, we knew what you were doing. You had sites that were working. It wasn't your first time around. I mean, probably by that time it was your, your 10th or 15th site that you were building. And like, you knew, you knew the components that you needed and it just, it wasn't clicking and you weren't like brand new. So it's a good it's a good story and I always go back to it. All right. So let's talk about this um, site that you just sold. Can you I know there's a lot that you cannot share and we talked about this beforehand, but can you share anything as far as uh, like what the sale price is, the you know, earnings at any point in time, traffic, can you share anything with us? It is okay if you if you can't and you could can just tell us why you can't share such information. Yeah, just unfortunately with the NDA that we've signed, um, we've got to keep a lot of that information private. So, 
Okay, cool. And that's a standard thing, you know, with a big sale like that, whether it's a website or just a normal business, there's a lot of disclosure and, you know, it's, it's to help the, um, you know, the, the new owner continue to have success. Um, we want everyone to be happy in the transaction and you want to work with people again. So that's why I, I always ask and clarify and make sure, you know, people don't think I'm not asking because I don't want to share the information. It's just, we're not legally allowed to share it. So, okay. That said, tell us about starting the site. So you and I finished up our, our thing. You were like, Hey, I'm going to start something new. Um, tell us how you got hooked up with your business partner and some of those early days and getting started and all that stuff. Yeah. So we'll start in late 2016. So this is like no October, November, and it's the, uh, Chiang Mai SEO conference. And so at the time I had sort of had some business connections, um, with, who turned out to be my business partner. And he approached me at that conference and we got to know each other. Uh, our wives, uh, we all went out to dinner a couple of times. And then he, he, as we were kind of wrapping up the conference, he was like, Hey, do you, would you be interested in doing like a, a website together at that time? Just for clarifications, this is not th- like shooting for the, the stars, what it ended up becoming. It was just, Hey, like, you look like you, you know what you're doing. You look like you know what you're doing in this affiliate space. Do you want to do a JV together kind of thing? Right. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to be traveling in December. Uh, let me get back to you in the, the new year. And so I actually didn't think he would like reach back out to me. And like right in January, he's like, have you thought about it anymore? And uh, I was like, all right, like, let's talk about it. So we went through thinking about different niches to get into. And I actually found a document like a month ago. And I shared it with them. We had like five different niches that we were thinking about going into. And there's a point to all this I'm trying to say is this site took off and did incredibly well, but there's an incredible amount of like just good timing and good luck. And what we happened to pick, like had we picked the other niche, like completely different, like this story would have been totally different. Yeah. Um, so we're in January, 2017. So the early years, this was a side project. I had other projects making considerable amount of cash at the time. And I would dedicate a couple hours and we would kind of push each other. Uh, we were doing high, high touch. You know, we were looking at the posts, we were doing the interlinking, we were changing the titles. We were, we thought we were these like SEO masters and spending four hours, four hours per article doing on page, like trying to perfect it. And lo and behold, like in the early days, and we started with PBNs, by the way, and uh in the early days the site was just on this like rocket trajectory like you could just tell like every page was just green up all the time and so by the summer of 2017 uh we had actually started dripping in some income and by the fall of 2017 it was making the most amount an affiliate site ever made for us obviously we had to split that but still like the the top line was crazy um and so by fall of 2017 both of us dropped. He had he had two other businesses, and I had other affiliate sites. We dropped those, and by the end of 2017, it was like game on. We've got ourselves a gem. Like let's let's dedicate everything to this. 
That's awesome. And a quick, uh, quick note, you mentioned PBN. So that's private blog networks for people that don't know. And that's generally like a gray hat um, link building thing that Google doesn't like. And it's potentially a little more risky. But at the time, it was still um, a little bit more accepted. And I think, um, Rob, you actually know a lot more people like in the weeds. PBNs still work. A lot of people still use PBNs um, almost exclusively, right? I think so. I think they have their their time and place and very obscure niches and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it's definitely fallen from its popularity. So I think in 2017 when we did it, it was still quite popular. Um, and just to uh, kind of go back to that time, we launched with it in the first few months. And then once we got to like June of 2017, this is like four or five months in, we were like, okay, the site is doing well. It has long-term potential. We came up with a plan to get rid of these 60, 70 PBN links. And by the fall of 2017, they were all gone. Okay. Here's a quick shout out to our sponsor, Otis Global. That's O-D-Y-S dot global. They're the source for aged premium domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. Featured domain for today is navajolegends.org. And it was a website that talked about Native American folklore, Navajo stories, myths, and some mythical creatures and animals and, you know, other things in the the whole culture of Native American and uh, Navajo specifically. It was created back in 2012, so it's 10 years old. Domain rating of 10 and a domain authority of 30. And this seems like a really good area for specifically informational content there's probably uh, plenty of different keywords that you can uh, find, although I would say there's probably not a huge number of keyword searches. So you may have to be a little bit creative and more um, sort of forward thinking. I would maybe look for some different ideas, maybe some more progressive ideas about uh, maybe Native American culture. So Honestly, this is a little bit outside my my normal area, but I can't think of a, a whole lot of you know products specifically that you may be able to feature as a sort of like affiliate reviews. But I think you might be able to find maybe like Etsy creators who are you know producing something and maybe feature them and partner with them in some capacity. You could also put educational material together for teachers or parents that want to educate their children. And there's a lot of lead magnets that you could do around that and build an email list. There's about 170 referring domains and about 95 of those are to follow. There are high authority links coming from places like the Guardian, umichigan.edu, vice.com, Bustle, and many others. Others still indexed in Google, and there's a lot of branded anchor text. If you join Otis using my affiliate link, you can get $100 in your account. And if you buy something, I might earn a commission. So thanks a lot to Otis, and let's get back to the show. I was going to say, I remember the t- the time frame we were still, I mean, I think we were working on our project sort of in parallel as you were kicking it off, uh, the new yep. side off. And I I remember you talking about like being in the um in each post like optimizing it on a very like micro level like every little detail mattered and I think you enjoy that kind of work just um that's what you get 
a lot of satisfaction from. You hit the flow state. Can you talk about like your SEO process and maybe why you like it so much? And I guess if I'm right with that assumption. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how to frame this, but like a lot of my reflections about this website, we, we'll get into the different periods and even the the scaling period about what I talked about 2016, where I tried to create this like process to run the affiliate sites. Um, maybe it's like a little bit of an ego thing, but like, I like to think that like I have this specialty and like this uh, attention to detail to look at the site and to kind of read Google's uh, intentions and like try just do that extra tweak that maybe most people miss. Um, I will say when I was into SEO, like I immersed myself um, all the time and I tried to find those little cracks, those little conversations that people were talking about, hey, you're testing this. And so I didn't really have like a playbook, but I loved getting into a post at that time and just taking all these little nuggets and trying to apply it. Now, whether or not that actually like moved the needle, I think it maybe some, maybe not. Like I think Google just likes websites sometimes, right? Like I probably could have done this and the site could have been going sideways and, and, and not showing all these results. But um, at that time, I was really immersed and I just enjoyed thinking that uh, what I was doing was my edge. Um, and we'll talk about from that period, once the site kind of took off, I think part of the decay was the fact that I stopped immersing myself in SEO and, and, and doing those, those little extra tidbits that not many were willing to do. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, let's launch into the phases. And I kind of had an idea about this, but I'll let you describe it in your own words. Yep. So um, you talked about the origin of the site. So let's hit the different phases and start talking about really lessons learned. I mean, this is, you know, probably part therapy session. You're going to be able to get, yeah. get a lot of this stuff out. Cause I know, like I said, there were ups and downs and, you know, it was growing so fast. It was very huge at the time. I know what the niche is and I know like just the, the timing is amazing. And I think, you know, there's no, you can't plan for that luckiness that that happens. It just was the right time in the world and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, tell us about the phases here, and then we'll start <clears throat> talking about some of the lessons learned and some of the things that um, you would potentially do differently in the future. Yep. All right. So talked about launching January 2017. and kind of talked about how traffic started to go crazy up in the summer of 2017 and in the fall, we started having some really significant earnings. By the end of 2017, uh, it, it had passed um, like a really high threshold revenue number. And then by early 2018, it kept going up. And it just sort of like, it was like hard to look at the numbers and be like, is this for real? Um, and so I think at that point, the biggest lesson was if you've ever heard of the book ego is the enemy uh, by ryan holiday like i think i read that book actually at the time when the site was going up thinking to myself yeah like i can like you know curb my ego i can curb my ego like what are they but, so basically for that book like and i may have got this wrong but it's basically like when you start like you don't have a ton of confidence um and then when you kind of get up to the, like you see on history people get up to the peak um, and that's us getting our earnings crazy up, right? And then from there, you, you, I kind of, we kind of thought, I'll say this for myself, that we were sort of like just on this level. And like what we did was like we're geniuses. 
and we have all this cash flow. So we hired super aggressively. We didn't like check in with our employees. They kept getting raises and we were just, we just thought we were like the coolest thing on earth, man. Like, I don't know how to put it. And it led to really reckless spending. There was a lot of poor decisions. Um, but for the first couple of years, the wave kept going up. So it kept fueling this belief that what we were doing was like amazing. And then we'll talk about the middle phase, but um, that's when the cracks started to show. <laughs> it, this is, it's like um, VH1 or MTV, like behind the music. <laughs> Do you ever watch those? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we were just, everything was great. And then, all the drugs and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you guys, you never mentioned drugs. That was just an example from yeah. <laughs> buying the music. So yeah, it's it's amazing. And like you said, um, it's, it's interesting because like you'll read a book like Ego is the Enemy or something similar and you're like, oh, it's like those other people have issues with it, but yeah. like I'm, I got I'm immune it. from it. Um, yeah. And it's... It's crazy. Uh, it, were you nervous at that time? Like, because, like I said, you know, it rose so quick. And were you nervous? Like, I have this, or we, right? You have this asset. Mm -hmm. um, and the higher you are, like, the more you can lose. Did you ever feel that kind of stress just because you were now on this other level? Or were, were you so high on the results that you were like, oh, we could just do it again? We could do it again right now? Uh, well, two things come to mind. So, like, the losing it part when okay so in this particular space right it when you when you're making those levels of money there is this sort of um there's this legal landscape i'll, I'll say so one of the just to paint a picture like um my, my business partner and i were writing the early best articles and when we started to like get some prominence in our rankings and some meaningful traffic we got emails from all these companies going dude, you missed this, you missed this, you missed this. Like, to be quite honest, I used to think of affiliate as just like, like a machine. Like I pick a niche, I hire some writers. Like I don't truly care if there's a few factual errors. Like I'm just kind of cranking out this lifestyle machine. I know it might sound weird to some people, but that's just like what it was for me. And all of a sudden, like we're getting a slew of emails. And then you start reading into this space and you're like, holy shit, like there's been some legal situations in the past. So once January 2018 came along, from the losing it perspective, we poured a ton of time into legal like we had never done before. So like, whereas 2017 and before, I was straight SEO, like that's the only thing I focused on, right? And some execution and hiring, but like a lot of learning SEO. 2018 was the year of legal. Like that's the only like value add basically hiring recklessly focusing <laughs> on legal. And so, yeah, we went into, we definitely went into what you're kind of describing, which is this protection mode. You've got this amazing earning site and now you've got to sort of protect it, protect your moat, so to speak. Um, so that, yeah, I, I had a second thought, but I'll pause there for now. Yeah. Oh man. And, just to be clear, you hired uh, a lawyer or lawyers to help out and make sure that interactions with other companies were uh, well documented, that they covered your bases, that you didn't um, quickly write an email that committed to something that you 
shouldn't commit to or state things in writing that you shouldn't, right? So everything went through a lawyer? Yeah. So we, we found this guy um, and he, you know, we liked him from day one. Um, actually got to meet him. He was in Arizona a couple of months ago, right after the site sale. Uh, for the first time, I'd, I'd never met him in person. He knows, uh, he had represented some, some, some pretty big clients in the internet space. And he just knows internet law like so well. Uh, he's a very conservative lawyer. So, uh, you know, he always painted the picture of like, you know, if you do it perfectly, like I also understand like this is not reasonable for businesses. Like he would, he would like a page on a best page to have like a half page, like (laughs) affiliate disclaimer, you know, with like very verbose language. But, um, yeah, it was just one guy. He had a firm and exactly what you're describing, like making sure how we correspond um, with different people, the companies, uh, readers, how we disclose on our you know, privacy policy, our terms. Really, the meat of it is how you represent yourself. So, a lot of people in the affiliate space will say, you know, they'll chuck up a website and they'll say, hey, we have unbiased reviews, right? Like, blah, 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 blah. That's a little bit dangerous because if you are actually like potentially taking more money or uh, for your offer, are you really unbiased? And so you just have to really make sure that what you stated was correct because in this space, it actually people were actually watching and they were waiting for you to screw up um, and to potentially take advantage because it has there there were some cases um, the couple of years as we were entering that space before us. Interesting. It's, it's funny you mentioned that because it makes me just want to put the disclosure, just sort of uh, make it funny and say like, we're biased, you know, we're accepting money. Yeah. You shouldn't even trust us. Like this is just entertainment and just like go all in and people will be like, ha ha ha, and do that. Yeah. And we actually, we actually almost, like I suggested that to the lawyer. Oh, really? <laughs> and, um, you know, we got some pushback like, oh, it could hurt your brand or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, to your point, if you're just like, this is kind of a joke. Like I'm like scraping content and I have researchers that have never tried this product. And yeah, if they offer us more money, we're going to rank that number one. <laughs> Just be straightforward. At least you know what you're getting. You know, it's a known quantity. Okay. So one other thing you mentioned here is you hired a big team. There was frivolous spending. Oh. Um, maybe you, I mean, like you said, the cash flow was numbers that you never imagined and, um, you know, potentially... I don't want to, I don't want to mention any specific dollar amounts, but we'll just say it's a whole lot of money. So you could hire a big team. So can you talk about, um, the hiring process? Um, how many people were on your team and just kind of break down a few of those details? So end of 2018, we just had, um, and this is like pre-growth what I'll talk about, but like, we just had a handful of like contract writers and we had, you know, a handful of, uh, dev team uh, outside the US. And so I would say at that point, you know, we're end of 2017, we're at like four or five folks, give or take, like pretty lean, like your standard growing authority site. Um, and then early 2018, we we're like, all right, we need to up the content quality. Like we need some in-house writers. Uh, we thought we wanted to come into the US because the market was mainly there. We just wanted that extra edge of like, um, knowing how the U.S. consumer thinks and acts, uh, and so on and so forth. So we found um, this writer, uh, and we basically at one point we had like maybe four or five U.S., maybe six U.S.-based writers, 
Um, the dev team grew. We kind of had an outreach team that became its own thing. And I think at the peak, we had like 25 people by like 2019. Okay. How were they managed? I know in your previous job, like your corporate gig, I don't think you had a, a team that you managed. Am I remembering that correctly? So you, you didn't have any management experience. I did not. And uh, I can tell you that uh, through this experience, I realized that I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, it was a shit show. Um, okay. So, you know, we kind of split it between me and my, my business partner. He kind of took a couple employees. I took a couple. Um, <clears throat> the problem was we just had no consistently consistency. So sometimes, you know, we would be meeting, we'd be like, Oh, let's this, uh, this person says you should meet with your employees once a week. So we would try it. And then like some people would never get meetings. And <clears throat> as the team grew, uh, as you know, like when there's more people, the system becomes more complex, right? Um, and we were all over the place. Like we would have initiatives, like let's do this now. And like a month later, we'd be like, wait, what happened to that thing? And just, yeah. Um, all over the place. Oh man. And I know you also, you wanted to, to learn, obviously you wouldn't have gone down the the path. You wanted to learn about management and give it a shot. And I think maybe we had conversations where I was like, it's not for me. I've, I've done it before in a corporate setting where I had a support network and education. And like, there was things to help me out. And I was like, it was fine. I think I, through trial and error, I got uh, proficient at it and at least competent. Sure. Um, but I know you wanted to try. So can you talk about some of the, the maybe training and education that you went through? Cause I know, you know, it, when yep. you hit, when you hit a struggle, the struggling point, you were like, all right, how, how can we fix this? So yeah. what did you do? I know there were a couple of things you tried. So <clears throat> in the early days, I think what gave us, and again, I'm just saying like, we made some improvements. I make it sound like it was, you know, the, the worst thing ever. And it, we never got it under control. I was, Looking back, there were still lots of things that I'm proud about the growth and the management skills that I did develop. I wouldn't say I'm proficient, but I, I at least understand it a lot better than those early days. Um, so there was this consultant. Uh, his name is Mads Singer. Mm -hmm. um, so we consulted with him in the early days, and we pulled a few good nuggets, just very simple things, but like have a call once a week and just like a making sure that employees had the touch points, right? Like, obviously, you can't just leave someone there for six months and expect good things to happen. Um, that kind of kept us like relatively afloat for a couple of years. Um, but in the last couple of years, we stumbled across EOS Worldwide. So it's an entrepreneurial framework for how to run a business. And basically, the catch is, hey, you're an entrepreneur, you've grown a business but it's all over the place. You've got a team, um, but how do you kind of keep it in check? And there was, you know, the whole system is amazing. Uh, and I learned a ton from that. And we, we learned to have really consistent um, structure to the business, how to lead team calls, uh, how to set quarterly objectives and like stick to them, drive accountability in the, in the company. Unfortunately, this was implemented like on our last year on the way out. Um, had we had this in the early days, I think um, things could, be, could have been a little bit different. And I bet now that if you, you know, if you had a small team, 
you could cherry pick the pieces of EOS that you like, which I've never used before, but everything you mentioned is, I mean, it's like a lot of project management, just generally like what you said is core skills for a project manager to come in. Uh, But sometimes projects, they don't know shit about and just come in and be able to implement the framework and kind of infrastructure so that things can run smoothly and continuous Mm -hmm. improvement and stuff like that. Um, But the point being, if you started like a really small team now, you probably could just pick exactly what you really liked and just use what you need and nothing more. Is that accurate or? That's fair. That Like EOS has a very like big umbrella of how you can use their structure, but there's two or three key components um, that are just game changers. That yes, if I was building even a small team, I would apply that um, to the next, to the next game. Okay. Cool. Um, in this period, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, during this period, I'm curious if you have any uh, specific things, like you said, that you're proud of and then some of the skills you learned and then maybe a couple of the mistakes. So I know you highlighted a few, but I'll give you a chance here if, there, if you're like, yeah, I learned this thing and I use it every day. And then maybe like one of the biggest yep. mistakes where you're like, we actually had like um, a complete failure and we lost a lot of money and wasted a ton of time. <laughs> I got some failures, but okay. uh, let's, okay. let's start with a good one. So this is kind of like more of a personal thing. Um, not personal. It's a business thing, but it's not like about the team. It's about how I was able to be more organized and just be a little bit more efficient with my time. Uh, so are you familiar with the book, Getting Things Done by David Allen? I am. Yep. Yeah. So I had read that in like 2015 um, and I was like, cool concept, but like didn't really like implement it. And by the spring of 2018, this is when it was like a year of legal. Plus I was still doing a lot of the stuff on the sites slash training all these people that were hiring. So 2018 was probably the, the most I've ever worked in my life and the most I've ever been stressed out in my life. And I needed something to help me with that. <clears throat> so I fully committed I started with a 30 day challenge to actually commit to David Allen's framework. Uh, and the big concept is broadly speaking is you have all these ideas coming in your head, like, Oh, I need to schedule this. I need to do this. Get in the habit of capturing ideas so that you're not constantly thinking about, Oh, am I going to miss lunch? Am I going to do this? So I would just have like, you know, 40, 50 things in my little capture box. And then from there you can take it to however level you want, you know, turn it into a to-do reference material later. Um, But I have stuck to that system. I use it to this day. Um, I've kind of tweaked it to my own style. Uh, But that was probably like implementing that was probably the biggest win for me as an entrepreneur during this journey. Cool. And that definitely helps with stress. It's like a constant brain dump. (laughs) So you don't have to keep thinking about a thing in your capture box. I haven't read the book, but I'm generally familiar with the the main concepts. Okay. So that was, that was a positive, um, any, any failure. Um, I know there, there may be too many to go on and on, but, uh, yeah, if you could pick a couple. So broadly speaking, I think, um, hiring too fast without sort of any structure or any idea of what we're doing, but that one's very broad and I won't really get into it, but there are some specifics. So in 2018, we kind of had this huge uphill growth. And then we thought to ourselves, like basically like the 2016 thing you're talking about that I did. 
hey, let's like create a system and like launch a website 2.0 in the same niche. And that didn't work. Like we launched the site, we had some articles. And then a couple a year later, we acquired a website, very high domain authority. It was getting traffic. It was like some, some tool, um, but it was in our same niche. And we decided to do it again. We like launched another site, thought we could like rank and duplicate. Uh, we actually also, there's another project we put eight or nine months into, didn't even like test that it was viable. We built an online um, product in our space and we started sending ads. We tried to sell this course. It was a course and that flopped. Um, and that was a cost and mistake. And then we ended up ditching the team that built that and that killed team morale. Um, Oh, man. Lots of, we were just flushing money down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's so tough. And I, I remember the course um, period of time, you and I talked about how I market my course and all that yep. stuff. And yeah, I was like, oh, it's really good to pre-sell a course because then, you know, you got the market <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, and like, I mean, there was a team working on it for several months. Like that was a lot of money and a lot of effort, you know? Yeah, it was like seven, seven like full-time, mostly U.S. employees for eight or nine months. Here's, here's the thing, Doug. So th th this, is, this is like going back to the ego is the enemy. Like we were literally delusional because if you look at when, this, when, we, when we scrapped the project, right? When we officially said this is stupid, I then looked into the space and I was like, the people that are dominating this course are these people who launched sort of into this space in 2013, 14, they have between a hundred and 2,000 lawyer, uh, sorry, lawyer, loyal, uh, loyal. Twitter or Instagram followers, right? They're immersed. Like they're known in this space. They're trusted, right? A hundred thousand followers is not something you build in eight to nine months. And we thought we could just walk in like these cool ass digital marketers and be like, I'm going to Facebook ad my way to, yeah. you know, figuring like we didn't research things properly, Doug. We just thought we know we can print money. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So at some point you're seeing like, all right, this course idea, this digital product thing didn't work out. Um, you're canceling some projects, other things are happening. So this is, um, you know, uh, roughly couple, three years in or so, something like that, about three years in. So we were, were the course launched summer 2020. Okay. All right. Yeah. So at this point, you're potentially getting a little burned out. You had the rough year yeah. 2018 with the law, uh, all the lawyer stuff. So when did the site sort of plateau out and then can you take us through post plateau at that point and just kind of how, how we ended up where we're at now? Yeah. So if I'm recalling correctly, I think plateau was kind of late 2019. We actually hit number one for like this insane term, like, um, in 2019, I think it toggled in early 2020, but, um, by summer of 2020, like to, late 2019, early 2020, that was kind of the last time we peaked. And from the summer of 2020, that's when earnings just started to slowly decay. And the way I like to think about it with SEO is give or take, SEO is 
a lagging indicator success of about, I mean, you can say different intervals, six, nine, 12 months, but let's just say it's a year, right? So how you show up and are competing right now is basically will show up a year from now. So we start declining in the fall of 2020. If you go back a year, that's kind of when we were peak. We thought we were amazing. We were making all these bad mistakes. Um, not doing those extra things that make the difference while the competitors were coming in. And so that's why it started to crumble right around fall 2020. When did you come to that realization or did you know it at the time? Like, hey, if you neglect um, your SEO, then you're going to run into issues in a few months. I think in the fall of 2020, I don't think I knew it yet. Okay. Um, you know, because you're riding this this um, amazing roller coaster and it's been up high for a really long time and it's kind of like that uh frog in the boiling water analogy right like it it wasn't instantaneous it wasn't like here you're earning like this and all of a sudden you get smacked down to here it was just kind of like this like little chip away for like a year or two years um so i really didn't know it was going on and i only kind of have a lot of this uh insights now right Interesting. Okay. So plateaued, um, late 20, mid late 2020 sort of leveling out, starting to decay. What were you up to at the time? So, you know, it sounded like the team was pretty, pretty busy. It was growing. You were working on different projects than canceling them or ending them. So yeah. Were you spending your time doing other projects or what were you working on? Yeah. So that the springtime 2020, that's when we were launching the course. So, you know, there was a good amount of energy kind of being a part of that, trying to research that, trying to support that. Um, we also, that was kind of 2020, early 2020 was the peak of the team size. So it was trying to just kind of keep this, this team going, right? Like it was constantly calling me, like, just imagine, you got this team and then all of a sudden like someone's payroll doesn't hit or, you know, this thing happens or this administrative or this legal, Oh, did you sign this thing? Um, so I was kind of running around as a, as a manager more or less, uh, during that time, just trying to keep this for lack of a better word, shit show, um, going. And so the key to all that is Doug, where was my time focusing on our true edge, which was, the SEO competence. I, it wasn't there. <laughs> okay. So you're doing all this other like operations stuff. Um, and it, I think yep. you and your business partner are on good terms, right? Yep. Okay. And I imagine, you know, through, uh, you know, five years, you guys had like ups and downs, like what was it like around this time? Did you guys see the same kind of uh, vision for where the company wanted to go? Can you talk about, you know, working with a partner and stuff? Yeah, for sure. So I actually want to like just back up just a second because it's another lesson learned. When things were going so well, right? When you got this amazing situation, it's, you know, spitting cash or everyone's cheering, right? It kind of is with like the hiring, right? It, it You're not as exposed to your mistakes. And I think similar with a business partnership or similar with, vision, no one gives a shit because it's like, we're doing fine. Like this is going to go on forever. And I think one thing I would like to have done better is from the beginning, 
through objectively through good or bad times, always check in with what's the vision? Are we on the same page? What are we like striving towards? We didn't know what we were doing, right? We we had no idea if we wanted to hold this thing for a year, five years, ten years, build a big, you know, multi-site media company out of this. And so that was all covered up in the good years. So once you start seeing this decline and the course failing, that's when the, the tensions kind of emerge. And we realized that we never had a clear vision. And those last couple of years together, we, we really struggled to kind of figure out what that vision was. Uh, and that was, that was challenging for us. I mean, this is just like behind the music. So it's really insane. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you guys didn't quite have a vision and it makes me think about, um, you know, I'm working on a podcast network with my podcast partner and yeah, we don't really have a clear vision. We're just trying to have fun. The money is not so important and, you know, it's not too expensive to run the network and we're not earning any money. So the stakes are low, but yeah, it's really unclear and I'm not sure like how, how we're going to figure that out because we're like, we just want to have fun with this. And I, you know, if, if that's, but, but, but that sounds like that is the, the mission. Cool. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, yeah. like that is like, Hey, we're just having fun. Like, you know, if you happen to tell me like, Hey, I'm just, I'm kind of done with this in three months. Like I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. Like I'm sure that would kind of, I don't know what the, yeah, what the stakes are, but um, yeah. sounds like you guys sort of know, even though you think you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, quick side note. Um, recently I looked at the Trello board for our show ideas for the podcast. And there was one yep. like, should mile high fi continue? And I was like, what the fuck guy? Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> this is like a <laughs> passive aggressive way to, you know, this is one of our no. show topics. Um, but anyway, we actually recorded it and I, you know, we said, in the recording, like, yeah, I didn't know what this was, but I guess we're talking about it and we're continuing to do shows. So I guess we're going on. So it worked out okay, but it made us go back. Like, what are we doing? And I think to your point, you know, if, if the bar is low and it's to have fun, that could be the mission, but we'll have to monitor like, all right, if it becomes not fun because we're doing two shows per week and we need to throttle it down, then maybe we adjust. So anyway, yep. A uh, very good point there. And I forget the, you know, original question. I think I was asking about business partner, what was going on. Okay. So let's, um, let's keep the story going here. Are, are you good on time? Can you go just a little bit longer? Or do you need it? Do you have a hard stop? I'm good. I'm okay. good. Yeah. So it's, it's plateauing. You guys are figuring out like, because you're not growing that uh, there's there's some cracks exposing themselves. You guys are probably getting a little frustrated. So what's going mm -hmm. on? How, how do you reconcile that? Is there talk to you know get back into the business and um, you know maybe spend more time on the SEO now that you are starting to see that there's a decline? Yeah. So we had several conversations that kind of went around that and like, hey, we should get back into it. And you know, like you said, I, with my business partner we're on good terms, you know, post sale. Uh, but at the same time, we won't, we will both admit that in the middle of it, like business wise, we had some struggles. Right. Yeah. And so I kind of relate this to, um, you know, let's say like, uh, this girlfriend that you have and you, you guys are going along, everything's good, you know, and you just know, like you should end it. Right. And then you kind of like break up for a month and then you kind of get back together. Like, Oh, we can, we can do this. And it just keeps kind of happening. Like, 
we knew back in late 2020, we need, we should have probably sold this site. Like right then, like all the respect to him and, and back to me, like, Hey, this just as a business partnership, like we've run its course. We had a good run, like let's call it a day. Um, but we just kind of got like the earnings were still really good. And so it was just so luring to just think that this relationship, can we give it one more try? Can we give it one more try? Can we give it one more try? Can we, and we just couldn't, we couldn't disconnect from that, um, that pull. Yeah. That's a good analogy. <laughs> you guys are just there for each he, other. He came, You're around the same he, he, he came up with it. He actually texted me. <laughs> he goes, oh, really? yeah. yeah. It's like, we can't just break up here. Um, okay. And the, the interesting, like I haven't been in this situation too many times, but as I'm around um, more people with sites and then more people with just businesses in general, my observation is you probably should sell before, if you're thinking of selling, you should get out when it looks like it's a bad idea because you're doing yes. so well. Cause you know, whatever the business is, usually there's the lagging indicator of uh, yep. the results and earnings. And when you're on top, you're thinking, Oh, we're, we're just at the beginning of the growth here, but you could be, you know, starting your decline. And if you get out early, you can get in, in a case for a website, you can get a much higher multiple on a growth trajectory, right? Exactly. And I think one of the biggest learnings in all of this, going back to like setting the clear mission is if, if we both came into it at the beginning and we said, look, our, we, we don't know exactly what we want. We see this thing going uphill, but let's agree that like, we are who we are and we, we're these systematic people that come in and try to build sites and try to have these asymmetric returns where we're planting these seeds. We found a winner, man. Like when we got up here, like let's just play it the way we are. We have this amazing asset. Let's get out. But it was all these not being clear, right? Like this can go on forever. Ego getting in the way you know, oh, let's talk dreamy about, you know, having a media company and all these things. But if you just look and, and we, and you get attached to it too. And, and I got attached to the team too, right? There was like this emotional component, almost like it was a child, right? But if I was just kind of business cutthroat thinking about it, I would, objectively, you'd be like, hmm, you're doing pretty well. You planted this seed, this thing just ripped, sell it, get out. Like, could it go higher? Sure. But like, you just you should get out. <laughs> we yeah. just weren't thinking in that mindset or we didn't even have those discussions to approach it like that. We were so immersed in this other world. And it reminds me of when you and I worked together on the website just before yeah, uh, before it, right? So you and I were so clear on yes. what the objective was. And it was like, we're selling at X amount of time. And it was actually, it coincided, unfortunately, with the Amazon commission rate change in 2017. So we actually lost like six figures on that in, you know, the swipe of Jeff Bezos's pen or whatever. Hey, <laughs> however, <laughs> I think about six months after that site was sold, it basically got tanked. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and the thing is like, if we, if we would have listed it maybe three months sooner, like the earnings in the average, like the average earnings yeah. for the last six yeah. months yeah. would have been tremendous. So again, to the point of like, you should sell it when you think like you're invincible and you have everything figured out, like get out when it's like at a good, a good spot. We were like, Oh my God, we would never sell this thing. Should we keep it? But we were so clear on our objective of like when to get out in the timeline. And we also outlined like all these contingent uh, contingencies were like, if we disagreed on something, yeah. there were, there were like, um, exit plans for us disagreeing and stuff. So, yeah. I remember that we had it all laid out. Like if this, if this, I think that's a great, that's, that's a great exercise that I would do with any sort of business partnership, because I think in the beginning, it's really, you're in the honeymoon phase, right? Um, and especially when you get a website like ours that just took off again, it like masks all these things, right? I make a comparison to sports teams, right? That end up winning the championship, right? They go on these runs. It's very hard to repeat once you've had success, right? You're not scrutinizing all the little things that you need to get better at. You're just kind of sitting there thinking everything is so rosy. So yeah, really have contingencies, really think through it not from a disrespect to your partner, you know, who you're getting into business with, not like, Hey, I, I want this to fail, or I think there's a high probability, but it's really important that we go over this low probability event because if it does happen, we need to be prepared for it. So you guys were thinking, um, Hey, maybe, maybe we need to get out from under this thing. So what was it like, um, you know, having those conversations to potentially sell and then like backing into it? So, cause it's been, you know, something in the making for a little while, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the conversation was on the table in the fall of 2020, but we decided to give it another push. And then I'm trying to think of what happened, but I think it was, uh, about a year later. So fall of 2021, that's when, that's when we really started to see some meaningful revenue declines. And so we had to really start thinking about cutting some of our team that in hindsight was a little, was bulky, right? And so it kept going down all through the fall into early 2022. Um, and we had layoff after layoff after layoff and tried to get it super simple and lean. And um, we, had a, we had one reason, we were working with this consultant, we had one really big reason to be optimistic about implementing some, some new SEO things. Um, but it just got to the point where we were like, all right, we've done this for two years now where we keep saying, let's try to do more. It's going to get better. It's, it's this sort of, you're at the high, right? And it's down here. And you know, logically, this is the best place to exit, but you're still living in your past world. I have to get back to this world. So we kept making the price worse and worse. And we said to ourselves in early 20, 2022, we said, look, this is not the price we want. <laughs> it sucks that we don't have what we had two years ago, but it is finally time to admit that if we hold this thing in another year, there is a 95% chance we're going to be in a worse position. <laughs> and oh, so man. we finally decided, all right, it's over. Yeah. Oh man. And, um, where did you guys sell it? If you're able to mention anything like that or like broker, a private broker or something like that. 
So we did it privately. Okay. Yeah. So right. my business partner was spearheading that, and we have we had discussions with FE International, mm-hmm. um, and you know we never formally got to work with them, but they were great. I love chatting with them. I uh, definitely consider working with them in the future. Um, but yeah, we just, you know, my business partner was, had some connections and got some, uh, got on some calls and eventually one just kind of led to the final sale. Okay, cool. And it's very, it's interesting. So you were thinking, Hey, we should probably sell it at the end of 2020 when you were seeing some decline and then it dropped like, uh, it sounds like a lot more and it took another, you know, basically another year before you guys were like, okay, we just need to get out from under this thing. How Basically. stressful was that? Like going through, like thinking, all right, we're, we're doing stuff to improve it. And then you're not seeing the same results as, you know, the previous years where it, it sounds like you couldn't do anything wrong and it was just growing like no matter, yeah. no matter what you did. Yeah. That was frustrating. We thought we were, you know, putting a, putting a ton into it, right. Trying to fix it and lift it back up and everything we did, it just kind of kept slowly eroding. And I think one of the telltale signs we should have listened to uh, was looking at the competition that was coming in. Like this was not the 2017 days, the people we were playing with, the people that were now beating us deep pockets, big brands, like just again, again, it goes back to being able to look at things objectively and get out of your biases i think that's overall like the biggest takeaway is just like look at the facts and and, and remove the emotion from it like these guys wanted to crush you right (laughs) and you thought and you thought you could keep chipping away with your uh you know the setup that we had this it just wasn't possible looking back like when would have been like the ideal time to sell the site I think summer of 2019, we had just hit in May. We had just hit number one for this monster keyword. Revenues were just cruising at all time high, um, stable at all time high. And um, yeah, I think I try to do like some mental math in my head about the price that we got um, versus what we could have got sold then. I think it would have sold for four or five times more. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's so crazy. Of course, you know, we're hindsight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can't change, you can't change any of that stuff, but yeah, it is, is a thought exercise with someone else's story. It'd be harder for me to talk about it, but yeah, yep. <laughs> it's pretty insane. <laughs> well, and the thing is like you, when did you first discover niche sites and stuff? Uh, I think 2013 or 14. Okay. So it's like, when you look at the, the trajectory though, and like, you know, you and I sold a site for, you know, six figure area and that was great. Like that was more than I ever thought I could do anyway. And then the next thing you worked on grew to some, you know, even much bigger proportion, you know, many times larger. And um, yeah, it's just hard to connect the dots and like, f- like figure out how you were able to, to do that. There's no question there. It's just like, holy crap it's crazy how much you can grow in this industry, you know? Yep. Okay. So anything else about the sales process? Um, was it hard, you know, uh, coming to an agreement with your partner? Um, any details about the deal, anything unusual, um, 
with the negotiations yeah. or anything. And I just want to say that, you know, I've done three sales on one with you and uh, two other ones with Empire Flippers back in like 2015, 16, 17. So I've had a little bit of experience, but not with the stakes this high. Um, you know, I'm not going to name the name, but shout out to the buyer that, you know, ended up taking us over. They were fantastic to work with. They wanted a really fast close. So from the moment we signed like an informal, uh, what's it called? Uh, letter of intent on the sales price and just some broad ter- terms, we were able to close it in under 30 days. And, and that's with quite a bit of back and forth on the, um, the purchase agreement, making sure the language is something that's comfortable. Both of our lawyers went back and forth. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was an all cash offer. Um, and super simple. They, they required no support ongoing for the team. That was honestly, for me, that was a, a huge thing. They took over the team and from the moment, like the money came in and it was goodbye. They've asked a couple of questions here and there, just some technical, like, Hey, we're updating this billing thing, but nothing in terms of like any sort of normal support you would think about because they are in this space. They have other sites in this space. They know what's going on. Perfect. Yeah. I was about to ask all those things you just mentioned. The crazy part is, you know, for, uh, you know, that rough dollar amount, you maybe would run into due diligence for months where uh, another yes. buyer is like going through it. But it sounds like, a, you know, it was a strategic acquisition, a competitor. So they kind of, they already knew what you guys were doing and have been watching for years, I suspect, right? Yeah, I got a funny story about that, uh, but I'll tell, I'll answer kind of what you were asking. Yes, sure. they knew exactly this business model. Like their due diligence, I could imagine someone who wanted to acquire this site that didn't really know about the space or maybe was somewhat new to affiliate. It would have been totally different, like night and day different. These guys looked at our traffic to the pages. They know on their end, they have two or three other sites, like this is how much they make. You know, they know if this um, company that you're working with, if you have this rate, they know what rates they have. You know what I mean? So it was, just, it was a systematic acquisition for them. Cool. Which was amazing. Um, the funny story is back when we started the site in 2017, when we did the transition call with our team and we announced to our team that they're going to be being taken over by this other team, um, one of their representatives was like, you guys were dominating. We tried to copy you. We didn't know what the heck you guys were doing. Um, but ironically, the tables have turned. They're kicking our ass at the end. So, All right. So site sold. You closed really fast, which is amazing again You know, for that amount of money. Sometimes it would take you know much longer to close. So no support. Um, it sounds like you are you know free and clear. So how does it feel overall to just be um, finished with the site? Uh, words can't really describe it. It's uh, it's it's quite a relief um, just to kind of wake up and you know before I commit to anything, I don't know when I'm going to commit to something if I do, but just being able to kind of wake up and know there's no team, there's no needs, there's no there's nothing, right? You're just, you just kind of have this freedom. Um, and I think in hindsight, just looking back, I, I knew that getting out in those last couple of years was like what was needed, but you don't really fully appreciate 
um, how much it was needed and how much that was the right decision and how much that I changed. So I think, Doug, uh, I can say for the last couple of months, I feel more like uh, the real Rob yeah. and um, stress levels are down just generally a lot, a lot happier. So I'm in a good place. Awesome. Well, and you mentioned, you know, you're going to take a little break for a little while. So what kind of stuff are you looking at? And in some of our other conversations, you have mentioned like, you don't want to have a big team again, and you kind of want to work on some stuff on your own. So, so yeah, what, what kind of things are you thinking about? And, you know, do you have any timeline or anything? It sounds like not, but yeah. I'll let you yeah. I mean, I'm in this like messy discovery phase where, you know, it's like not a linear thing, like, you know, pick the thing you're going into by this date. It's kind of like, you know, check a little bit over here, check this. What, what's got me most interested is really, I guess, not starting a business so much, but how to kind of be more of a, a manager of money, um, where to place my bets, like kind of thinking, looking for areas to place some asymmetric bets, manage wealth, grow wealth, with the stuff we have. So just kind of trying to go down uh, that path and, and just kind of, I don't even know what it's called, but just kind of yeah. learn those type of things. Got it. Well, it's cool. I, I was going to say just having that time off um, without obligations. Like you said, there's not a team of people waiting for direction from you, which is one of the reasons yep. why like I've resisted having more than just a couple of VAs working on some activities that, you know, I don't need to be working on and just keeping things smaller um, has felt um, very good. But I was going to say as, um, as ambitious people, like we are, it's hard not to like, you know, start another little thing and then like kind of make yourself busy. And I find myself yeah. like occasionally I'm like, I'm a little too busy. I need to make sure I carve out a little more um, time just to get bored and stuff like that yes. instead of, you know, feel stressed out and listen to podcasts where I'm like, oh no, I need to do that thing now too. So yeah, talk about boredom. You, you it sounds like you're, yeah. you're a fan. Well, Doug, like pre-2017 before this website, um, when I was getting started, I remember you, me, and uh, the other guy in our mastermind we would talk about like how much time we were committing and i always felt like i had this like different approach like you guys were like oh man like i'm like this many hours this many hours i'm like i'm not spending that many hours like i kind of enjoy this boredom aspect and i think it's like uh i guess your path is really not linear right like you could be grinding away from years on this little uphill path or you can like be bored for like two weeks and this one idea hits and you just kind of go up like this. So um, easier said than done because I do kind of get into these like modes where I'm just immersed in something and I don't kind of come up for water, but uh, using this time to train myself to come up, get bored, come up with random ideas. And it's, uh, it's been fun. I didn't have that time uh, for, for the last five years. I was so much in daily grind mode. Um, so, yeah. Cool. So just a couple more questions. And I, I didn't ask you this before, but have you started another site already? Could you not help no. yourself? Okay. <laughs> I It was hard. Okay. So the first couple <laughs> of weeks I was researching, like uh, I went on Empire Flippers. 
I was looking at just websites I could acquire. I was doing keyword research, Doug. It was like, I was a magnet to it. And then I was like, no, I told myself I'm going to wait at least two months to commit to something. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I was going to say, I know we were talking about a certain concept um, and I wasn't sure. So yeah, keep pumping the bricks and just until you can't stand it. And then maybe (laughs) exactly. All right. Yeah. So this has been this has been awesome. You gave us a lot of great, um, you know, lessons learned over the last few years. Any sort of broad closing uh, statement to encapsulate stuff? If not, that's okay. You gave us so many um, pieces of wisdom before, but if you have anything, I'll let you say it right now. I would say, I mean, I hit on it, but I think it's something that I'm working on as I move forward in life, and it's just, it's something that I look back on and. I think all the biggest lessons can kind of tie back to this central theme, which is your ability to look at what you're doing objectively, right? Um, removing emotion, work on checking your biases, like journaling your thought patterns, you know, really going back and saying like, is this, does this decision make sense? Am I tied up emotionally to it? I think that was, um, I kind of got lost in that for those few years. And I'm trying to apply that to every aspect of life moving forward. This has been awesome, Rob. Um, Want to have you on again sometime. I'm not sure what we'll talk about, but we'll figure it out. So thanks for sharing the story. Congrats on the sale. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. What a journey. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot to Rob for taking the time out. It's always good to catch up with him, and it's cool that he wants to share his story as well because these are conversations we would probably have anyways, and it just gives us a way to share it with the audience out there so you can hear what it's like, and you know we're going through the same kind of struggles as you are out there. And I was thinking about this interview, and I was coaching a student earlier today, and I thought about this, and I, I don't think you can overstate it. Rob already mentioned it, and I'm going to say it again here just for even more emphasis. But you really can't overstate how lucky he was with the timing. Now, that said, he had a lot of at-bats. He was trying things for several years. He failed a few times. You can go back to some of the interviews where Rob and I have talked, and I actually coached him some. These are still on the YouTube channel. If you go and look, I think we had maybe like four or five coaching sessions or something like that. And we're helping, you know, systemize and get things organized for SOPs and all that kind of stuff for building out sites. So the point is, you know, Rob got lucky with the timing because of the industry, but you know, what are you going to do? You have to keep trying different things. You can't plan it out. And I think if he, If he started the same site today with even more knowledge than what he had before, you know, he's five, six years wiser, I think it would still be super competitive. And I, I don't think, and I I didn't tell Rob this, but I don't think he could recreate what he did before because the timing and the trajectory of the market was really favorable for what he was trying to do. 
And, you know, when I look back at what I've worked on, same deal, just got fucking lucky. You know, it's good timing on a couple things, a little lucky here and there. I tried, you know, I tried stuff, Rob tried things, but you can't, you can't plan for the luck. You can't plan for the timing. You just happen to be there at the right time. Usually it's a series of, you know, tries and failures, and then you get lucky on one with a little good timing and maybe some of your experience that goes along with it. So hopefully I didn't overstate what, what Rob mentioned, but yeah, that did hit home. And I'm like, ah, that, that totally makes sense. You know, people are in the right place at the right time, but they are out there trying, taking a risk, doing things outside their comfort zone. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes, sometimes you end up on, you know, a wave that is, uh, you know, just rising. I guess the waves crash. So that was a bad analogy, but you're kind of on a rising tide situation. So, that is it for today. Check out some of the other interviews I did with Rob. If you haven't checked out my other podcast, it's called Mile High Fi. It's about personal finance, but really about financial independence and lifestyle. I have a co-host named Carl Jensen, and he blogs over at 1500days.com, which is actually a, a pretty popular early retirement blog, FIRE is what people call it. So it's a pretty popular early retirement blog. And Carl has uh, been retired for like five years and he's, I think he's 47, 48, something like that. So he, you know, he's been out of the workforce for a little while and truly actually retired. So, okay, that's it for now. We'll catch you on the next episode and have a great day out there. 